Good morning. Well, that's better. Okay. So I just recorded about a minute worth of uh, this podcast, only to look down at my little Zoom recorder here and realize uh, the microphone was not on. And <laughs> as, a, as a former radio producer, I'll give you some high-level radio technique here. You're going to want the microphone on. <laughs> so let's try this again. Oh, my brain is foggy this morning. I had... Um, I had French toast this morning. I get to make some French toast because I was up before anyone else. Not hard to do in this house these days. My toddler is sleeping until probably seven thirty, eight o'clock these days. Leo does. And mommy will uh, lay in bed with him. And once I hear them start to rustle, I head back upstairs and I'll jump in bed with them and we'll do Sunday morning cuddles. And it's literally like the absolute best couple of minutes of the entire week is those Sunday morning cuddles. But nonetheless... I, I've been up a little while, had some coffee, made a little French toast for myself. Secrets to French toast, you ask? Oh, I'd be happy to tell you. I would say, number one, I think this is the, there's honestly not a lot. French toast is one of the simplest things. But but if there was one thing that's just kind of like the standard secret to French toast, it's you don't really want to use French fresh bread. You don't want brand new, fresh, like the bread that you would want for anything else, you do not want for French toast. Because it'll just be, it'll get soggy, it'll fall apart, it's just, it's almost too good for French toast. You actually want bread that's a day or two old. The best thing you could possibly do if you want to make French toast is you want to buy thick sliced bread. Or screw that, don't even buy it pre-sliced, just buy a loaf of bread like two days before you plan on making the French toast and just let it sit and you know how it gets you know how bread gets after a couple of days it's not bad yet but it, it certainly doesn't have that fluffy freshness to it you want that stiffness the stiffness is what gives it the sturdiness to become a really good piece of French toast so then after that it, you know it's French toast it's like what do I do I do nothing special I dip it in egg I uh, maybe throw a little butter in a pan 30 45 seconds maybe each side Sprinkle cinnamon while it's in the skillet, throw it on the plate, sprinkle some powdered sugar on at the end, syrup, we're good. Syrup's a big one, though. Excuse me as I take a sip of coffee. Syrup's a big one, though. You you, you gotta you gotta use a good syrup. A lot of us grew up with Aunt Jemima, and, you know, it's, it's like artificial syrup, and it's, uh, you know, it's fine, but once you have that pure maple syrup, you you really you just never go back. It's one of those things. It's kind of like fresh pasta, right? Like I grew up, I don't want to pretend that my grandfather made pasta. He didn't. I had an aunt who made pasta, but my grandpa was a – he made his sauce, and then he bought, you know, the cheapest pasta he could find. I mean, my grandpa was famous for back then, shit, what, 49 cents a pound? It, that was when I was a kid. I'm sure he – from when he was a kid, probably was getting it for pennies, but at least when I was a kid, I still remember him talking about, yeah, 49 cents a pound over at the Golden Dawn, you know, 69 cents a pound, or if it was like 99 cents a pound, he'd be like, they're out of their minds, they're charging 99 cents a pound, but it was cheap pasta, it was really cheap pasta, like, here, I'll give you, I'll give you the comparison of what I'm talking about real quick, I'm going to look up the ingredients for a major pasta brand, Hold on, I'm Googling as I go here. And I'm going to read them to you, and then I'm going to read you the ingredients in my homemade pasta, okay? All right, here we go. So, the ingredients <clears throat> in a major brand of pasta 
are ready. Semolina, durum wheat flour, vitamins and minerals, vitamin B3, iron, ferrous sulfate, vitamin B1, thiamine minonitrate, vitamin B2, riboflavin, and folic acid. Do you want to know what the ingredients are in my homemade pasta recipe, which I'm about to give you? Flour, oil, egg, salt. Big difference. And you can taste that difference. You can absolutely taste that difference. So uh, it's kind of hard because with pasta, you have to see the technique. But I'll use something like two and a half cups of flour, three eggs, pinch of salt, maybe a tablespoon of oil. Mix it together in a bowl, but not like you're making a cake mix. you got to kind of gently, it's almost like you dig a little well, pour your egg into the well, and then slowly mix the whole thing together. Then you just knead the dough, let it sit for about 30 minutes, uh, and then the real technique comes in cutting it. But I cheat. I just have a KitchenAid. <clears throat> anyway, it's just better. It, it's just it's just better. That's all. Uh, quick business update because you guys are liking this, and I appreciate that you're liking this. And I'll even give you a little old business update too. We'll do some sauce and some radio. So business update as for what's going on at my place right now these days. Um, we, uh, from a, from a, a positive standpoint, looking into buying a couple of hoppers, we actually have something called a pouch filler coming, which is our ability to fill big bags of sauce, which we do right now, but we do it by hand and it's a terrible pain in the ass. But basically this is the type of thing that, uh, restaurants would use or institutions would use bags, right? A bag that they can just submerge in some hot liquid, hot water and get it up to temperature and, and just quickly be able to pound out pasta meals. Well, um, we do it all by hand, kind of cost prohibitive doing it by hand. So we finally have invested in a piece of equipment called a pouch filler that we will, uh, I'm looking forward to getting in because it should speed us up quite a bit, make us more accurate too. So that guy came to town this week and we're also talking about putting a hopper over our bottling line, which is another thing I'm excited about because, excuse me while I geek out a little, we basically have a four-headed piston filler and it's pulling whatever sauce it can pull out of the manifold, which is just being pumped through there. And sometimes, you know, depending on how fast or how slow that pump is going, it can actually get to the point where it doesn't have enough sauce to pull by the time the pistons come down and looking for sauce. Excuse me while I drink my coffee. So the hopper sitting above it would basically gravity fill that manifold so the manifold was constantly full of sauce and, and the pistons would always have a full repertoire of sauce to pull from. So those are the, the positives, I would say. Some exciting stuff. Well, I'll get to it, the exciting stuff in a second. Let me give you the negatives because I don't want to always paint uh, life as being nothing but positive. There's always negatives. And one of the negatives is I got an email a couple of days ago from a li- uh, from a listener. <laughs> Sometimes the old. I almost said from a listener. Sometimes the old world still creeps up on me. From a, a customer who had bought a jar of my sauce who got it home only to find out that the lid had popped you know the little button on top had popped which means it's no longer sealed which means it's no longer shelf stable so they had written me to say how disappointed they were that they didn't get the you know they weren't going to get to have the sauce they were looking forward to having that night and that just broke my heart I hate that Um, and then last night so like 24 hours later my wife runs to the store to buy stuff uh, for us to make dinner. She comes home, and I see a jar of our sauce in the bag. And I'm like, why would, what, Why is she buying a jar of our sauce? And I pull it out, and it's got a pop lid because, you know, she and I are both – we're going to check our set anytime we go into a store. 
And uh, she had just, with her eyes, she could just see this one lid was popped. And so it's two in two days. You know, it's a bummer. So it makes me think, God, is there something we're doing wrong? Is it a coincidence? What is it that these that we've got had a couple of bad lids? I mean, shit is going to happen once in a while. But, you know, you, you don't want to see any type of commonality to that kind of issue. So uh, something I got to address this week is just kind of drill down on what's going on. You know, is there anything we can do to make our process better? And uh, I got to try and do it while being, you know, a stern boss who's who's making no mistake of the fact that we need to figure this out, combined with not being, you know, an asshole or a jerk that nobody wants to work with. So that those are the tough things, I guess, sometimes about being a boss, is how do you be stern but not lose your employees at the same time? Um, and I don't think – I'm not a yeller. I don't scream. I don't name call. I curse, but I don't curse like, you know, what the fuck? Like, I don't do that kind of cursing. I – I curse in regular language, but um, I don't think I do. But, you know, I'm always lost in my own head between am I too nice of a guy? Am I too much of a jerk? Doesn't It kind of feels like no matter which way I go with it, I feel like maybe I'm doing it wrong. If I decide, hey, I'm going to be nice as approaching this topic, I feel like maybe I should have been more stern. And if I'm stern, I feel like I should have been more nice. It's just ways that I'm still trying to grow as a leader. Uh, Some exciting stuff at work, too. Interesting stuff, I should say, is we're kind of in dial-in season or just kind of coming out of dial-in season, I should say. The beginning of the year gets a little slow, and we develop some new products. And I spent yesterday making three new recipes, one of which I think I can talk about in a little bit of detail because it was basically me just making it up. It's not sold to anyone yet, but the other two are um, for other clients, so I have to be careful about what I can say. But one was a barbecue sauce. The other was this uh, chicken adobo sauce which I think is a Taiwanese thing, but don't quote me on that. Um, but it was really interesting. It was like a, a soy sauce base, kind of like a dipping sauce, though. You know, chicken finger, dipping sauce, chicken adobo flavor. Really good. Really, really good. Um, and then the third one was this other barbecue sauce that I'm working on for uh, potentially for a client. But like I said, at this point, this thing's not sold to anyone yet. Um, and it's a cherry orange barbecue sauce but the the exciting tweak that I made on this one this time was I used maraschino cherries in the past I had used either real cherries or like cherry syrup or cherry jam but in this case I used maraschino cherries like from a cocktail bar or or from a bar where you, you know a cherry you would get in a cocktail and damn it turned out really good you know, because barbecue sauce is sweet anyway, maraschino cherries being so sweet, it just really worked. So, yeah, kind of excited about that. And while we're talking about business, let's talk about the old business. Hey, 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 hey. Okay, I'm back. Sorry. Battery died. <laughs> it, it didn't have to used to worry about that in radio, the battery dying. But, yep, battery died. Okay, where were we? I think I got everything out that I wanted to say about the sauce business. I had intended to give you a couple of notes about the uh, radio business, just little things at all. Um, Kind of learning from you guys, you love old radio stories. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know that this reflects in a good way, but I get it. You like old radio stories that really go behind the scenes and tend to have kind of negative negative, um, uh, not results, but negativeness to them. I think you like when I expose some of the BS is what I'm trying to say. And so I'm going to give you a story I don't think I ever told about the old radio days. First, a positive, though, about radio is uh, a couple of weeks ago we were in Florida on vacation. I was driving and my car, oh, so pissed about this because I had paid 
enterprise for social, not social, for um, Sirius Satellite Radio, Sirius XM. Uh, I did. I was a sucker. I paid 25 bucks to have that. And here's the reason I do that, because people will say, why don't you just use your Bluetooth? Like, what are you doing? Why would you pay for satellite radio? You've got a phone, don't you? Well, here's the deal. When I'm in Florida, something like that, I'm in an area where I don't know where I'm going, so I have to really be paying attention like a hawk at all times to every last move I make on the road. So I don't want to have to worry about changing the song that much or anything like that. So yeah, I do. I get satellite radio if I usually have, I have a rental car so I can just have a couple of stations I flip between. Well, this one didn't have the satellite radio. I did hook up the Bluetooth, but like I said, I didn't want to be distracted. So I ended up listening to just a lot of regular radio. And at one point I'm listening to this radio station in Fort Myers and the commercials are playing and I hear a voice a familiar voice, the voice of Rochester's own Joe LaMonico, who's been a guest on this podcast. I hear his voice doing a local radio commercial in Fort Myers. And I, I text him, and, and I remember a little bit of this started to happen before I left radio, which was, you know, everyone was really, I mean, radio's in such bad shape that they don't have a ton of voices in the building anymore, especially post-pandemic. Every building might have a couple of voices, so they're really starting to share voices between the markets. And Jolo said, yeah. He said, yeah, I record. I, you know, I texted him and said, this is so cool. I just heard you in Fort Myers. And he said, yeah, I record commercials all over the country. So very cool. Uh, okay, the story I promised you is actually from my very last week of employment at iHeartMedia. Um, now, I have to be honest and give you full disclosure on this one. I was leaving at this point. It was beyond the... Um, it was truly beyond the last straw, and there was absolutely no stopping me. It was, what do you call it, the point of no return, right? It was the point of no return. I was leaving radio, and uh, I was literally leaving radio in like three days when this happened. But it was one last little nail in the coffin, I should say, as far as knowing that I was doing the right thing. <laughs> but it's late April. Uh, I'm leaving on Friday. Nobody knows that other than me and a very few people, my wife, my business partner, Tom, the people we're buying the business from. Really, there's there's next to nobody that knows I'm leaving radio on Friday. And this isn't the big story, but this is just one small little story. But they had sent out an email that day because, remember, we're talking early pandemic. So they, <laughs> they sent out an email saying any employee – who makes over a certain amount of money will have to be furloughed for two weeks at some point, you know, between now and like, I think it was maybe mid-September. And uh, I did not make over the certain amount, which means I was not going to have to be furloughed. And I get this message from Deanna on the Wee's show right away saying, hey, do you, are you getting furloughed? And I was leaving in literally two days. So I wrote her back and I said something like, well, you know, let's talk about this in a couple of days. And I think the point was she was saying to me, let's talk about how we're going to run the show while Weez is gone. And I and I was like, well, you know, again, like, let's catch up next week, <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm thinking that's would be pointless for me to have this conversation right now. I don't want to waste my time or hers for that matter. And so I just kept trying to put it off. And I remember she wouldn't take no for an answer. She ends up writing me back and she's like, I checked with management. You're not being furloughed. We need to talk about this. And I remember being like, no, trust me when I tell you we don't. That's funny because there was this other thing. 
where uh, the uh, the they were trying to get me because remember at the time they had me being Kimberly and Beck's producer. They were trying to get me to be able to take the phone calls live for Kimberly and Beck, and they had the engineer every day like kind of tweaking me forward and getting me to the you know try this, try that, install this, install that, and they really had towards that the end there had really started to tell him like hey you need to get this figured out and he was starting to be in contact with me about how are we going to figure this out you know we really need to to put our heads together here and I remember just kind of writing him and saying Mike I can't tell you what I'm talking about but trust me when I tell you this it is not worth your time to figure this out for me right now but here's the story I promised you so if you recall, I left radio on a Thursday. I believe it was a Thursday. It was April 30th, 2020. That's the day we signed the deal. Friday morning, May 1st, is the, the day that I call and I officially resign. Well, apparently earlier that week, Bob Matthews had given his, I suppose you can call it two weeks notice, that he was planning on retiring. Now, Bob Matthews was one of those shows that I had filled in for a few times, one of those shows that I had been lied to about. I would have the opportunity to fill in more. And the idea was anytime Bob was going to be off, I was going to fill in. Now, um, I had been very forward about saying what I wanted to do, and I had been – I can't tell you I had been told Paul – you will have Bob Matthews show when he retires. I, I have to be fair. I don't think those words were ever said. What was said was, you're up next. You're on the bench. You're our sixth man. We need you filling in everywhere because we need you to be the guy who fills the hole when one of these other shows eventually leaves for one reason or another. Whether it's a retirement, a firing, a resigning, um, a, a, a retire, whatever it is. And Bob Matthews was on that list. At the time, the list of shows I had been told were Wheeze, DeTulio Moran, Kimberly Beck, Carl Falk, Bob Matthews, Bob Lonsberry. Those were the shows that I was the official you're in if they're off type thing. And also, if they're gone, you're first man up to replace. Well, Bob Matthews announces he's retiring, and apparently, and I'm not in this meeting, but apparently it's brought up in that meeting, well, Pauly, right? Pauly's the, the replacement for this. And our boss says, no. Our boss passes on making me the replacement. Now, again, it's too little too late at this point anyway, but one last little note about you got to follow your gut and follow your instinct because my gut and my instinct was I need to go and do this sauce thing. If I stick around here, I'll be continue to be miserable. Now, imagine for even just a moment that I don't leave radio. I pass up on the sauce thing, and then I receive this news that they've decided to pass up on me yet again. I would have just been even more frustrated. So it just helped me quite a bit. And in fact, after I quit, there was one guy in particular who called me and assumed I had quit over this specific thing. He was like, did you just rage quit? And I'm like, what? He goes, did you just quit because they didn't give you the Carl Falk show? And this is actually when I learned about it. Not Carl Falk, sorry, Bob Matthews. And this is actually the exact moment I learned about it. 
This was when um, I said, no, what are you talking about? And he said, the, the, the meeting on Wednesday where they said they weren't going to have you replace Bob Matthews. That, is that why you quit? And I'm like, this is the first time hearing of that. And this was like, you know, the day after I quit, or maybe even day of. So, again, if, if you don't try to grow and cultivate your employees, you're going to lose them. They're going to move on. Oh, uh, speaking of this kind of stuff, I, I wanted to talk. One other thing that's awesome is uh, I got a phone call this week, um, and I was asked to be the MC going forward for the two signature Italian-American heritage events of the year in Rochester. Now, I, I, I have to be honest with you. I'm a little bit ignorant as to all the different Italian-American groups in Rochester because I think there are a bunch. And the one that called me was – had kind of a long name. It was – um. Crap. Oh, it, sons and daughters. I think it was the ones that's like the sons and daughters of Italy, Vincent Lombardi Lodge. And I think they're in charge of at least a couple of the big events that all the different Italian American groups get together for. One of them being the famous one, which is the big Columbus Day lunch they do every year um, at the Diplomat. And I was asked, would I be interested in emceeing those events going forward? And, and I, a resounding yes. I was like, oh my God, what an honor. I would, I would absolutely be honored to be the MC for the Italian-American events, the major ones at least, throughout the course of the year in Rochester. So that was a big – I was very complimented by that. Speaking of old radio stuff, I love that I'm still getting asked to MC things. I, I think it's uh, I think it's good. It makes me feel good. I'll be honest. Does it is it bad for me to admit that makes me feel good? I don't know if it's an ego-padding thing, but it makes me feel as though, you know, my, my I was right. It kind of makes me feel as though I was right. It made me feel like makes me feel like people do still come to me and do still think me in that of me in that light, and that leaving radio didn't affect that at all. So I don't know, I don't know, but it feels good. I think that's just about it for this. This was kind of a scatterbrain podcast. I apologize. It's just me sitting in the basement, and I'm looking at the clock, and it's almost time for the little guy to wake up. So I'm gonna go up and do those Sunday snuggles. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Let's talk next week, okay?